Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Taking Back Monday, and we're going to be talking about work. And you might think, thanks for ruining one of my days off by bringing in the work day. That's great, Anthony. Fantastic. But the thing is, our faith in Christ is not something that only exists on Sunday. It's something that should follow us all through the week. It's something that should follow us into our workplaces as well. And so we're going to start this week just by talking about how does our faith come into our work? What does, our, what does God have to say about work? And if you are, let's say, um, junior high, high school, don't really have an official job just yet, um, you can still listen to this because you will. Um, if you are retired and you say, I'm past that time, you still, you know you retired folks, you're busier than the rest of us because you can't stand not working. So listen to this too. And um, I want to also make sure I include um, stay-at-home parents because, you know, there are some people who are foolish enough to say, oh, well, you don't even work. What do you do all day staying at home? Abby and I have had the, the privilege to um, kind of alternate various days of the week, and I'll stay home while she works, and she stays home while I work, and we joke that our day off is the day we get to come to our job because it's so much quieter and easier and more peaceful most of the time. So that's, uh, so, uh, you know, this stuff applies to any situation where you are working, not just an official job that has like an HR department you get an official paycheck from or anything like that. Um, but I do want to start with a fun little contest. Hopefully it's a fun little contest. Does anybody in the room think they have a contender for the worst job ever? So a job that you have held either now, hopefully not now, but hopefully in the past, a job that you think is worse than any other, any other job that has been held by anybody in the room. Anybody got a bad, horrible job that you think you got a contender? What? Yeah, you can't put your hand up. No, I'll fire you. Um, uh, th so, yeah, see, now you guys are, i got to change my sermon to lying because I heard stories from you guys before. Larry, what do you got, Larry? A what? You burned the latrines down when it was all said and done? Is that what you said? Oh. Okay, you win. You win. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I thought someone would be like, someone got like low man on the totem pole at the pig farm or something, was what I was kind of expecting, uh, but, but that's, you know, you win, Larry. Okay, I don't have a prize or a trophy, but congr <laughs> congratulations. Um, the job that I've had that I disliked the most at the time when I had it was security guard. I worked at a factory in my hometown, and it was, uh, the factory made water pumps and fuel pumps. Now, as you can imagine... We didn't have a ton of people scaling the fence to steal water pumps and fuel pumps, okay? That's not a very lucrative crime ring there. And so, um, basically, my job consisted of me being a human fire detector. And so every hour on the hour, I was required to make a round through the entire factory and any adjacent buildings just to make sure nothing was out of sorts, there was nothing was on fire. Uh, they had a die-cast department. I had to make sure all the furnaces were still cranking at the right times because it took a day to heat them up, and if they cooled down while no one was there, I got yelled at for that. So I was there just to make sure everything was going as it should go. And one of the little rounds through the factory, it only took about 20 minutes because I had this um, industrial solid steel golf cart that we got to drive. Like, I mean, you could have driven this thing through a wall. It was so awesome and solid. And the, the thing went pretty quick 
quick for how heavy it was, but it cut off a lot of time walking to some of those adjacent buildings and getting through the factory and all of that. And so you'd make this round for 20 minutes, and then you would sit for 40 minutes. And it was the epitome of boredom. Because um, now... For those of you who are young, the reason it was the epitome of boredom, because this was back in like 2001 to 2003, um, I didn't have something like this to play games on all the time, okay? Um, laptops were still like this big, and they weighed like 45 pounds, and so I couldn't like take a laptop in and play solitaire or, uh, you know, watch movies or whatever. And so basically, the job consisted of me spending two-thirds of my time just trying to stay awake, and it was just such a rough day, but a uh, rough work schedule. It turned, and I know, it wasn't hard work at all. It was just boring, um, but one day stands out head and shoulders above the others. It was Christmas Day. I don't remember which year exactly. Um, and I was supposed to work. I was always the, the holiday guy, okay? I, was, I always worked the holidays. So Christmas Day, I was supposed to work 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And on Christmas Eve that night, there came like this ridiculous snowfall. And in any other year, any other year, I would have been thrilled, right? Like, that's the dream. I love Christmas. And I'm always the guy walking around going, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just even in September, that's right, baby. Yeah, I love Christmas. I'm Mr. Christmas, okay? I am that guy. Any other year it would have been fantastic, right? But this year it was so much snow that it was becoming obvious that I was going to have a hard time getting to work the next day. And my boss had a little bit of a reputation for being a bit grumpy. And if the guards couldn't make it to their shift, it was his responsibility to come in and make the rounds through the factory on their behalf, which I knew that if I didn't show up on Christmas, I better not just show up ever again. Like, that was going to be it for me. And so I decided the only way I was going to work that shift was if I drove in on Christmas Eve before the, tra or the, the weather got too bad and slept at the factory. And so that's what I did. And I went and I slept in the, in the nurse's station on the hard little cot, you know, for anybody that gets hurt or sick on the job. And then the next day I wake up after sleeping at the factory and I go to make my rounds and I realize not only could I not have driven to work, but I couldn't use my cart. Like, the beautiful cart. Like, I could use it in the factory, but once the doors were open and I had to walk to all those adjacent buildings, I had to trudge in like six, eight inches of snow in my polyester guard uniform. And so I'm doing my walking in the snow, and, and by the time I get back to the guard shack that first round, it took me just over 55 minutes to make a round that normally took me 20 minutes. And so if I hurried, if I did a little speed walking routine through the, through the whole factory, I could get done, get back to the guard check in time to sit for like two seconds, go whoo, and then get up and do it over again. And so I ended up spending a Christmas day speed walking for eight hours, which doesn't sound all that bad. I know, again, I'm not what Larry was doing, okay? I, there's, I understand there's harder work in the world, you know? But I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, all my other friends, they got to get up and open presents, and they got stockings to go through, and they're sitting there looking at this beautiful snow, the majesty of a Christmas winter's morn out their window, drinking hot chocolate, and I'm walking in the snow, and life is horrible, and I had this big old pity party for myself. But on the plus side... I didn't complain about being bored anymore after that. So I learned. I learned. You know what? Sitting's not so bad. It's not so bad. So we've all had jobs that we didn't like. We found less than fulfilling. And I know that because there was a, a survey, uh, or, or someone did, ran the numbers of the average American 
you know, how long we, the average American lives and how much time we typically spend at work, and found out, figured out, that you and I will spend roughly 35% of our waking hours at work. 35% of our waking hours will be spent doing work of some kind. The only thing you're going to do more in your life is sleep. And some of you have probably figured out how to sleep at work, and so you're double-dipping on the statistics there. And the only reason I say that is because I know some of you have figured out ways to sleep at church in a room where there's nothing hiding you. Everybody can see you, and you don't even care. So I figure at work, you're going to find some broom closet or something to catch a little shut-eye in. But you're going to spend 35% of your waking hours. And if you, find, if you find work to be something that is less than satisfying, if you find something, your, your job to be something that is agonizing, that is robbing your life of purpose and meaning and joy, that's a huge weight on your shoulders, a huge portion of the time. Because an even more painful uh, statistic was shown through a study of Americans and their work uh, habits. And it says that, maybe, are we going to go there? There we go. 70% of Americans don't enjoy their jobs. 70%. Seven out of every 10 Americans are going to spend 35% of their awake time doing something that they do not enjoy. And so it's no wonder that most of us, when we picture like the perfect life, work is not in that picture, is it? Uh, the other day, maybe last week, two weeks ago, uh, you heard about the lady that won like the near record Powerball, and she comes out. And they ask her how her life was going to change, which is a joke. Everything's going to change, right? But they ask her what's going to change. And the first thing she said was, well, I'm not going to work anymore. And everyone's like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're not. I mean, how many of us, if you won $700 million today, how many of you wouldn't go to work tomorrow? Come on, you bunch of you liars. Come on, put your hands up. Okay? The reason for that. The reason for that is because oftentimes we feel that the only purpose that work has in our lives is providing an income. And if we can get that income some other way, why would we ever go to work? Why would we ever put ourselves through the boring monotony, the hard work, the sweat, the blood, the tears, whatever? Why would we do that if we can supplement our income some other way? <coughs> Excuse me. And um, one of the best ways to figure out your relationship with work, like how you view work, and if you really, really love it, really find it satisfying, really see it as a necessary part of your life, is to look at how you picture heaven. And that might seem a little bit out of left field, but hang with me here. When we picture heaven, and I'm, I'm assuming that most of you have at least thought about it, have at least given some thought as to what heaven might be like. And when we picture heaven, what we tend to do is we tend to grab the things from this life that we love, and we put those in our picture of heaven, and all the things in this life that we don't really love, we just kind of leave those here, and we build our picture of heaven out of the best stuff. And we have the people we love, we have the places that we love. Some of you, your picture of heaven is nothing but beautiful beaches and clear blue water. Some of you, maybe your picture of heaven is nothing but mountains and woods and the smell of cedar in the air. I don't know what your picture is, but I would bet not a single one of you ever pictured yourself in heaven with a nine-to-five job. Why? Well, because work isn't one of the good things in this life that we want to make it to heaven. It's what, it goes with like, you know, tornadoes and cancer and turkey bacon and all the things that we're going to hopefully leave here once we all get to go to heaven right? And so we don't take, we don't, and so if we really saw work as something purposeful and meaningful as a valuable blessing from God, then maybe we would import work into our view of heaven. And 
I'll be honest with you, I don't really think I have a full understanding of what heaven's going to be like either. I do wonder, though, if there is work in heaven, what will I do? Because when we get to heaven, like, this job I have right now is going to be obsolete. And maybe you've caught on to this, but I don't have a lot of other marketable skills. <laughs> so I'm not sure, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing when we get there, <coughs> necessarily. So I don't know. But in this series, what I want to do is I want to see if there's, a, if there's purpose and meaning in work beyond just getting a paycheck. Is there more to it than just getting something in the bank so that we can pay the bills and breathe easy for another week or month? Because believe it or not, God talks about work in Scripture. And yes, he does talk. About, there, there is talk of the financial side, of the, like kind of being secure in your life side, taking care of your children and, and having an inheritance to pass on. That kind of stuff is there. But that is not the only thing that gets talked about in reference to work. And if we focus only on the income side of it, we are going to miss so much more. And so in the series, we want to build a bigger, better vision of work so that it can be more than just paying bills and making it through the day. And so in order to do that, we've got to start at the very beginning of the story. We've got to see where does work come from. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it, and we'll be in Genesis chapter 1. I'm guessing that's probably somewhere close to page 1 if you, ha- if you brought your own Bible. I know it's on page 1 if you want to use one of the black Bibles near you. We're going to read a few verses out of Genesis chapter 1. We'll start in verse 26. We'll read 27, 28, and then jump down uh, to 31 in a minute. So when I get done reading this first chunk, don't, don't close it yet. We've got still more work to do. <clears throat> the verses will also be on the screen, or you can use your mobile device if you've uh, got a Bible app on there. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over all the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so the first thing we learned here, just on the very first page of the Bible, is that God created work. It was his idea. So when you've got to get up early tomorrow, drag yourself out of bed after a beautiful weekend and go into work, just remember, it's all God's fault. He did that to you. When your alarm goes off and you think, no, no, not yet, it's all God's fault, okay? But this idea that God made work, it's a really, really big idea that we cannot overlook because If he made work, maybe that means that there's something that he has for us in going to work, in doing work. And so just like God made animals and plants and ecosystems and galaxies and stars and all of that stuff, he made work. He intentionally put it into his creative order. Now, if you still get your Bibles open, hopefully you do, go go back to uh, verse 26 for just a second. And I want to show you something. In verse 26... This is just God planning. He hasn't actually made humans yet, okay? Verse 26 is just God planning. And so he says, let's make man in our own image. And then, while he's planning, he already has the work planned before he even makes human beings. Verse 27, God says, I, here, let's make man, and here's what they're going to do. We, God knew work was going to be in our existence before he even created human beings. We were made for work. 
It wasn't like God said, okay, let's make man. All right, that looks good. Now, what are we going to do? What's he going to do? We got to give him something to do. I don't know. Let's, let's figure it out, okay? He needs something to do so he's not just, uh, you know, bored all the time. So here's 40 weeks of drudgery or 40 hours a week of drudgery. Like, God didn't just give us work because he needed to come up with something for us to do. No, he pictured humans and work as going together before he even made humans. So verse 26 is God planning. Verse 27 is God making. And then in verse 28, we see God kind of labeling or judging exactly what work was going to be for us. And we learn in verse 28 that God calls work a blessing. Because it says, and God blessed them. And then you look at the next couple of sentences to explain how God blessed them. And it says God basically blessed them with baby making and work. And I'm not going to get into the baby making part of that right now. I know how it works, but that's a sermon for another day. So set that part aside, and we're going to look at the work side of it. God said, I'm going to bless them by giving them purpose and meaning and something to do with their brains and their bodies that will engage them in this world, in this creative order that I am setting forth. Now, to be sure, there is a difference between this kind of creative mandate that God gives humans to care for his creation and the fact that you applied to a job and now you've you know, filled out all the paperwork and submitted it to the HR department and then they approved you for hiring and now you get a paycheck and you clock in and clock out. There's, there's differences, I understand, between this work that God has given them and you having a nine-to-five job, but the idea that God didn't just make humans to sit around with their feet propped up, drinking drinks with umbrellas in them all the time, is absolutely present in the first chapter of Genesis. God meant for us to do work, things that challenged our brains, our bodies, our character, that exercised our integrity. God meant for that to be that way. And not only does God call that a blessing, but then God steps back on that entire day of creation, and he judges it as very good. You see, if you read the first chapter of Genesis, it kind of plays out this way. It says, one day God makes something, he steps back and says, that's good. And then the next day God wakes up and God makes something else. You know, there's light and dark, sun and moon, there's land and water, and every day God makes something and he steps back and he's like, it's good. Okay, make more things? All right, that's good. When he steps back on day six and he says he made humanity and he gave them this purpose and this work, it's the only day that God calls it very good. He said, man, day six, I really outdid myself here. So God did not consider work a problem. He did not consider it a bad thing. Okay, it wasn't like God gave humans work and then was like, oh man, you know what? Everything was good until I threw that work in there. Man, they're going to be so mad at me now. They're going to spend so much of their time and 70% of these people are going to be unhappy doing what they do. 35% of their waking hours, oh man, those poor humans, why did I have to make work? No, it was all a part of God's plan, and he called it very, very good. Now, you might be asking yourself after all of that, Anthony, my job does not feel like a blessing. My job does not feel like something that is very good. And maybe you can say all day long that God intended for work to have purpose, but I don't feel purpose at my job. I don't feel purpose at my work. I don't feel it, okay? I don't feel it. In fact, I feel like my work brings out every anti-Christian thing in me because it is everything in me to get through the day without telling my boss some very, very stern truths about what I think about their decisions and their attitude. It is everything in me to not get fired most days that I go to work. And I understand that, okay? I've been in 
Those kinds of situations where the job feels like it's sucking your life away rather than feeling like a blessing from God. And we're going to talk about those things practically in the coming weeks. We're going to look at, okay, God does have purpose for you, even in a job that you really don't like. How can I find purpose there? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact that what do you do when you get into a job and you're asked to do things that maybe go contrary to your faith. I'm, I know that there's people that uh, get asked to do things that involve stretching the truth. Maybe it's put in creative, nice terms that sound very businessy and not wrong, but when you boil it down, it's lying to customers at your job, or it's cheating customers into giving more money for something that isn't worth that much money. I understand that things like that happen, and that's just kind of maybe the nicer end of, of the improprieties that maybe you experience at your job. I understand. We're going to talk about those kinds of things. But here's what I wanted to do simply this week, a very simple start. I wanted to just come to this place where we understand work is something that God made. Yeah, maybe our world is broken and work isn't everything he hoped it would be. It's not always the blessing that he wanted it to be. It's not the fulfilling thing that he wanted it to be. So I understand it can be that way. But ultimately to understand that work in itself is not a bad thing. You see, too often, we spend all of our lives dreaming of retirement where we can put our feet up and do nothing. There is no picture in the Bible where human beings were ever meant to just put their feet up and do nothing. We were meant to be a people of purpose and meaning who did work, whether it was an official nine-to-five job where we got a paycheck or some other kind of work where you're volunteering at church, where you're helping raise your grandchildren, whatever it was be. There's no picture where humans sit back and take it easy and get a check out of God's purpose in the world. That's not his plan for us. And so I wanted today just to simply come to a place where we understood work is from God. And whether you feel it or not, work is good. And so basically, I want to help us move beyond the dread of it all, but we're going to have to start with trusting that God has a bigger, better purpose for your 40 hours a week or so at work than just putting up with it. And so basically what I want to do today is I simply want to give you a prayer to pray as you go into work this week. I just want to start with a very simple <clears throat> transition in your head where you start thinking about work as something that comes from God. Next week, we'll start in on how it can be practical, how you can practically see purpose at work. But today, all I want you to do is to start reframing your brain to see that work is from God. And so here's the prayer I want you to pray. It's a couple sentences. If you want to write it down, feel free. I'll probably put it on uh, Facebook and social media. Oh, I skipped verse 31. Oh, well, we'll get back to that. So here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, I trust you when you say work is a blessing, even when it doesn't feel that way. Because, I don't know if you know this, this is another important piece of theology. Your feelings don't always tell you the truth. Sometimes your feelings lie and they cloud your vision. So, Heavenly Father, I trust you when you say work is a blessing, even when it doesn't feel that way. Please begin showing the purpose you have for me in my workplace. Amen. Because I know God, he doesn't throw you into things without you having a purpose to live out. He doesn't ever put you in a place where you don't get to play a part of his plan of redemption and salvation in history. He always has something for you to do for his kingdom. And so next week, let's figure that out. Uh, We'll look a little deeper into it. And you can consider this the irritating to be continued at the end of a good TV season that you, oh, no, you can't cliffhanger me like that. I know it was less than practical today. But, but believe me, this step of shifting your trust into God as you go to work, it's going to be a necessary step if we're going to move forward 
to build on a practical foundation of how can I live out my faith and find purpose and meaning at work. So let me read this prayer one more time just to give you the chance to write it down again and then I'll pray for us. Heavenly Father, I trust you when you say work is a blessing even when it doesn't feel that way. Please begin showing the purpose you have for me in my workplace. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, work is a difficult thing. Sometimes it feels uh, like one of the most impossible areas in this world to, to live out our faith. Um, the culture at work is, is not one that uh, makes it easy to express our love for you. The language used maybe by people at work is, is not the type of, of language that maybe you've called your believers to, to showcase in their lives. Uh, and I just pray, Father, that whatever the work is, whether someone's going every day, every weekday into a nine-to-five job or a second-shift job or third-shift, whatever it is, or if, if someone's not working in that traditional sense, but maybe it's somebody who, who's a stay-at-home parent or a grandparent who's volunteering at various organizations or helping raising grandkids or, <clears throat> or whatever the case may be, I pray that you would help us to see the benefit of work in the human life. And maybe in our workplace, again, it's hard to see, but I, play, I pray that this week you would start to at least help us to trust you, our Heavenly Father, that work was not given to us as a punishment, it's not uh, a curse for our bad behavior, but it's something that you've given us. And even if we can't see the purpose yet, I pray that we would trust you that work on some level is necessary for us as a human being. And so I pray that you would fill us with a passion to do your will in, our, in this world. You would fill us with a desire to not just sit around and check out from life, but to engage in this world that you've created and to engage for your purpose of sharing the gospel with people so that more people might find salvation in Jesus and experience glory forever in heaven. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all you've done. This week, help us to simply start to trust you as we go back to work. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.